Hey everybody, it's Mark. Welcome or welcome back to the New Spring Church podcast. Hey, at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our free New Spring app where you can access all of our recent message content. Actually, the app is the easiest way to share all this content with a friend, and it's the easiest way to keep up with everything going on around here at New Spring. But most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, it's my privilege to introduce to you our speaker. You heard Mark talk about uh, Pastor Johnny Hunt. And I first heard Johnny speak at a mission conference in about 1993, drove down to his church, and I was just amazed how well he can communicate and the passion he has to reach lost souls around the world and how he touches so many people. But the greatest thing, personally, that Johnny Hunt has ever done is to become the best friend and a pastor to our pastor. So with that said, would you please welcome Dr. Johnny Hunt. Well, thank you very much. And to say it's an honor to be here is the understatement of the new millennial. It is uh, really a joy to be here. Now, the challenge uh, that before me is to really passionately desire to do two things in particular. Number one, to glorify our God. And number two, to honor a pastor and wife that's given 35 years of their life to you. And then on top of that, to do the same one three times looking at them. Uh, Mark told me earlier, he said, gosh, I appreciate what you said. I don't know that I'm deserving of it, but I can't wait to hear it two more times. So anyway, I'm glad he's <laughs> delighted to hear it. And um, did you know the average pastor in the United States serves six years in his church? Your pastor and wife have served you 35 years, over three decades, three and a half decades of their life. And I mentioned, and I believe it really is true, it really would be true. You've given the best years of your life here. You've raised your children here. I was looking at that, that young couple that came here 35 years ago and those two little children thinking the third was born here and they've served and um, they're so passionate about what they do. So really Mark and Mary Alice are our BFFs. I mean, we love them and we thank God for them. And so I wanted to honor them, but I'll be honest, I wanted to biblically honor them. I wanted to make mention of what the Bible says about a minister, his ministry, and his message. And so if you have a Bible with you or you've got your Bible app, I really would appreciate it if you would follow along with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm going to read the first seven verses, but verse number seven is really one of my most favorite verses in the Bible. It really speaks of what God does when he changes a person's life. And it's just a wonderful, wonderful point. And by the way, I'm glad they're saying a lot about tonight. Uh, we scheduled our flight a day later just so we could be here tonight. So I'll just be honest, if I come and you're not here, I'm going to be ticked off. No, anyway, I would love for you to, to come, as Pastor said, if you feel comfortable. He sent me the last night of worship y'all did together, and it so ministered to me. So I really wanted to make that part of our trip here as well. Second Corinthians chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy 
We do not lose hope. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose mind the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. And then he goes all the way back to creation to talk about the gospel. I mean, in Genesis chapter one, and he says this, for it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And then my favorite verse in this passage simply says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Many of you through the years have picked up a devotional that your pastor contributes to that we do with Thomas Nelson, the largest Bible publisher in the world. And when we get those, sometimes we're asked to sign them. And I always sign with my favorite verse. And I want to commend Mark and Mary Alice for the way they so exemplify the truth of this passage. It's Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 7. The righteous man walks in his integrity and his children are blessed after him. So as we exemplify the life that Christ has placed in us, we influence our children. Uh, not only has it been a joy to be with Mark and Mary Alice, but we love Jonathan and Jared and Stephen. And, and I want to just mark, point something out that I've noticed, I've observed, and I've reflected on a lot, but I've never told you. I've never been with you that one of your boys did not come in. And I've seen it happen Friday night when we were with you. It happened this morning. It happened yesterday. And one of your sons will be there. And before they leave, you will look at them and say, I love you, son. And it just really resonates. I mean, they're grown men, but we never get over uh, loving them. And what a joy for those of us that are in ministry to watch our children observe us, not just the, the commitment to ministry, but listen, we've mentioned it a little, the conflict in ministry, and then them desire to spend their life doing the same thing their mom and dad did. What a testament uh, to their integrity in serving with the Lord. So your pastor and wife, Mark and Mary Alice Hoover, have been close friends to Janet and me for the last 10 years. So I want to speak both from personal relationship as well as careful observation of their life over these decades. And so as an introduction, and it's kind of interesting because it's a long introduction, and it'll leave a few minutes for the heart of the message as well, but this is still heart of the message. I want to highlight some things about Mark. I want to highlight, first of all, Mark, your ministry. 
In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that we read just a moment ago, in verse number 1, and you've been taught this, but it says, therefore, which always causes you to ask the question, what's it therefore? It's always referencing back to what he said in previous chapters. So he says, since we have this ministry, and over and over again in chapter 3, it refers to the ministry as glorious. I mean, this is not just ministry. God has given Mark a, and Mary Alice a glorious ministry. And he says, as we've received mercy. And when you think about mercy, always remember this. It is God not giving us what we deserve. And, and then on the other side, it is grace. God gave us what we did not deserve. And he said, now, as a result of this, we do not lose Heart. It means there's things that come our way that could cause us to cowardly give up, uh, to unstring the bow, no longer be effective or useful. But he says, we do not lose hope. Now, when we think about the ministry God has given Mark, he magnifies it in chapter three. Now, I need you to really pay close attention for this reason. What I'm getting ready to read is about you. I mean, I didn't just come to honor Mark, I came to honor you. This has been a relationship, a pastor and people and a testament. And the truth is without his staff and without the way you have engaged ministry, we would never have the testimony of New Spring that we all enjoy. So here are the words. Do we begin again to commend ourselves or do we need as some others uh, letters of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? You are our letters, you're, you're our epistles written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh. That is our heart. And so what he's saying is that the great testimony is here. It's not that we have letters from others or letters from ourselves that commend this ministry. You are his ministry. Uh, God, when he changed your life, wrote something, not on hearts of or tablets of stone, but of hearts of flesh by the spirit of God. And we're gonna talk about that even more in just a moment. Here's another way that Paul said the same thing using different language in 1 Thessalonians 2.19. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of the Lord Jesus at his coming? Here it is. For you are our glory and joy. First text I had. It came before I woke up this morning. I'm an early riser. It came from Alabama. Preacher's in trouble. Can you call him this afternoon? Can you recommend him somewhere? Yesterday afternoon, Charlotte, North Carolina. I need somewhere to go. Would you recommend me? You know what I love about your pastor? He's, he's got eyes for you all only. I mean, he just loves you. You are his crown of joy. Listen how he said it. He said, is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? New Springs is a large church. Even in the context of COVID, there is a lot of people in the last three services. Let me tell you something I know about your pastor, and this is very important. His major passion is not to see how many seats he can get in these seats. 
His desire is to see how many souls he can preach the gospel to that can spend eternity with him in heaven. And that means a great deal. You see, when we love our people, he and Mary Alice, all they do is talk about y'all. Get so tired of hearing about y'all. But they're constantly just telling us what God is doing in your life or whose life God changed or who started coming. I mean, even last night, I'm I'm sitting there and I've just got to tell you this. And Mary Alice just said, no pressure, but I've been trying to get someone to come for years and they're coming because it's our anniversary. No pressure, but they need to hear the gospel. And I'm thinking, no, no pressure. So, but they're really concerned. That's the bottom line. They don't want to just see you from Sunday to Sunday. Are y'all listening? They want to spend eternity with you. And that's a long, long time. And so here's the bottom line. You are their ministry. But let me say a word about Mark's message. It says in verse three of 2 Corinthians 4 that I read, but if the gospel is veiled, one, one translation says if the gospel's hidden, it is, it is hidden to those who are perishing. We've got to be faithful to the gospel. It was said of Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Someone said to him, Mr. Spurgeon, why is it that every sermon sounds so much alike? He said, oh, I'm glad you noticed that. I take different verses, but after a few minutes of translating that verse, I make a beeline for the cross. I mean, so really what's most important, you know what we actually teach as Christians? Have you ever said this? The single most important decision you'll ever make in your life is the day you surrender your life to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I was with Mark and we were in Houston and we went to visit a pastor on his deathbed, an evangelist by the name of Freddie Gage. Freddie Gage recommended me to First Baptist Church Woodstock over 34 years ago. And Freddie Gage gave me a statement. He said, it'll help you to preach the gospel with greater compassion and passion if you will realize that eternity is too long to be wrong. There's some things you may not get right, but let me tell you something you need to get right. The gospel of Jesus Christ and to know him is your Lord and Savior. So the Bible says the God of this age has blinded the minds, wait a minute, of those who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who's the image of God, should shine to them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. And so I'm grateful that Mark's message is the gospel. You know, I've been here on numerous occasions to just spend time with them. And so I would be here to hear him preach. And I love the way he gives the invitation. He did the same thing at First Woodstock on the times that he's preached for me. But at the end, he would always give a clear call to the gospel. And he would say this, the blood of Christ is the currency with which Christ paid for your sins. That became very memorable. You know, I, I want to preach the message with passion each time, not just from memory. And so different things uh, come to my mind. And I was studying the other day. You know one thing that disturbs me about a Christless eternity? Let's just go ahead and say it. It's not used enough in our pulpits anymore. You know, you know what disturbs me most about hell? First of all, I don't think anyone ever intended to go there. But number two, 
My Bible teaches that in hell, you will be cognate. You will, you will have a conscious awareness. The Lord Jesus Christ told a story and said a man went there. And then he allowed Abraham to speak to him. And he was tormented in flames. And Abraham said these words to a man in a Christless eternity. Son, remember thou in thy lifetime. And I believe immediately he would have never asked him to remember if he didn't have the capacity to do it. And I can't imagine being an attender at New Spring or those that watch this church online every week and realize that you'll go out into eternity. And one of the things, if you sit under Mark, I think that will ring true all throughout eternity is the blood of Christ is the currency with which God paid for your sins. Aren't you glad Jesus Christ paid it all, all to him we owe and Christ made a way. And your pastor, thank you, Mark, for being such a gospel preacher. But let me say a word about Mark, the minister. But you gotta catch this. Remember, I wanna do a balance here. I wanna honor Mark, but I'm telling you, I know Mark wants to honor you. Uh, the statement was said many years ago, and it, it's, a, it's really sort of a question. Does a great pastor make a great church, or does a great church make a great pastor? I just wanna be honest with you. I believe a great church makes a great pastor. When you follow our leadership and you love the word when we teach it and you desire for yourself what we desire for you and what the Bible teaches is that which we ought to assimilate into our lives, man, it makes ministry good. Matter of fact, you know what your pastor says about ministry? He says he loves serving you so much that it's narcotic. I'm concerned about him, <laughs> narcotic. And, but the sad thing is, I know exactly what he's talking about. I mean, it's in the Bible, it talks about, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, it talks about being addicted to ministry. So pray for your pastor's addiction. He finds serving you and the Lord narcotic. So I'm glad I've picked up. I know what Mark is thinking now. Did you remember any of the other things that I said? So we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Your pastor and wife last year made their first journey to Israel. Uh, Janet and I have been there on numerous occasions and we just love everywhere we go in the land of Israel. <clears throat> but we always enjoy the day that's going to take us down to the Dead Sea. And when you're going down to the Dead Sea, you're going to make a stop and you're going to see a community that's pretty well preserved and it's called the Qumran community. The people that lived there were referred to as the Essenes. They say they're confident that John the Baptist used to minister there among the Essenes. And some even believe that Jesus may have visited there. But let me tell you what will happen. As you're making your way down to the Qumran community, the bus will make a sudden stop and it'll point to a cave in the side of a mountain. And in that cave, guess what they found? The Dead Sea Scrolls, the oldest manuscripts of God's word and the most of the manuscripts of God's word ever found in one place. Guess where they found them in that cave? In a clay pot, in an earthen vessel, in the exact same word that he's listed. Uh, 
I, I, I wanted to research it so I could make sure I got my illustration correct this week. I've heard the story so many times. A shepherd that found them. He didn't know exactly what they were, but he knew they were valuable. Guess what he did? He sold them for $175,000. Somebody says, man, that was great. Well, sort of. Where are they today? They are in the museum in Jerusalem. How much are they worth? Priceless. Absolutely no price could purchase them. They're worth millions and millions and millions of dollars. He uses the same word and he, he doesn't just say, I put scripture. This is good. I know what I'm going to say and I, it, I'm thinking about it. I'm getting excited. So I'm glad I came so I can hear this. So the bottom line is, here's this container and we think, oh my stars, they placed sacred scripture in it. But here's what I want you to know about yourself. If you say that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you are a earthen vessel. And that's why one day, guess where you're going? Back to the earth. And here's what the scripture says. God placed an incalculable, valuable treasure in you, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the good news is when he placed him in you, he said he'll... He'll never leave you and never forsake you. That may not mean a lot to you, but I was raised by a single mom because my dad checked out at seven. So when a father leaves and then you get a new father, it's, it is really good news to know that he promises that I'll never leave you and never forsake you. Adrian Rogers put it this way. When Jesus Christ comes in, he wants you to know that your heart is not a hotel. He doesn't check in and check out. He's a permanent resident forever. He's going to live inside of you. And so we have this treasure. So here's what God did. God took an earthen vessel by the name of Mark Hoover. And he placed himself in him. But guess what? God is no respecter of persons. He placed in you the same thing he placed in Mark. And so God can use you. You'll be part of a vision that he cast for this church until God calls him home. But the neat thing is God will also give you a vision of what he can do with your life to make a significant difference in other people's lives. Well, let me get through one of my major points that I wrote in addition to my introduction. Let me talk in our time together about the commitment of Mark, God's servant. And there's three areas I want to just mention that's listed here in the Bible about a minister, his ministry, and his message. First of all, Mark's commitment of his walk with God. Um, this is a great statement. Mark walks with God. He really does. He's not just out there with human speculation trying to find out what God would will to do in the future in this fellowship. But instead, he walks with God. He's asking God, help me, speak to me, show me. He, he's, he's such a teachable Precious brother, he's always saying, what do you think about this, Pastor Johnny? I'm thinking about this. The Bible says he's renounced the hidden things of shame. Uh, that speaks of that which is disgraceful and honorable. Hey, can I give you um, a little test for the future? The next time you turn on the news or you read a headline in the newspaper about someone that we expected so much more of, 
And I could name some right now that have been in the paper. I mean, headlines in the last few weeks. Adrian Rogers said that anytime you look up and you see a falling star, before you become so overwhelmed with a falling star, look up again and thank God for the, the billions that are still in the place where God placed them. And so we could say, oh, I could call names. They're right on the tip of my tongue. My heart has been broken. I minister with some of these ministries where people have brought embarrassment and humiliation to the name of Christ and Christianity. But this speaks of dark, hidden, private, hypocritical lifestyles that we move away from. Uh, There's a verse I used in my men's conference last year that speaks of this. And listen to it, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20. But in a great house, and so I, I love to define what it means. So in a great house, it would have been the temple. It would be our churches today in a great house. This is a great house. They're not only vessels of silver and gold, but also there's vessels of wood and clay. Uh, some for honor, my life, dishonor. But therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he'll be a vessel for honor That's us. That's your pastor. God will make you a vessel of honor. Um, He will make you a a vessel of mercy. Um, Sanctified. God, God cleanses us and then sets us aside. And listen to these words, and useful for our master. Is is there a passionate desire in your heart since you came to know Christ that that deep down inside you'd like to just say, God, please, in Jesus' name, cleanse me and make me useful for the master. Uh, Mark was talking the other day and he said, I want to talk to you about some things that get me up every morning. I'll tell you one thing that'll get you up every morning. I'm getting up, and I don't know when COVID's going to end. And I know everybody wants to talk about what you can't do during this time. But here's what I want to say. God, even in the midst of something that certainly didn't take you by surprise, I like to quote Sam Cathy. Since God is sovereign, has it ever occurred to you that nothing ever occurs to God? That was good. Hey, Mark, do you ever have this thought? Well, the band was up here. and Austin does such a great job. I just love that kid. I put something out there on social media to his mama. She was just with us last week, Miss Anita. <clears throat> but they can have the guitar and sing a word and say something. And everybody just applauds. And a preacher's just got to work so hard to get any response. And I just thought a minute ago, I wonder, I wonder if he'd let me use this guitar. <laughs> And maybe if I just strung that around my neck and just sort of looked like a musician, but preached, if y'all wouldn't get after it. I just, just the thought, I'm sorry. I just, my ADD takes me to places I didn't plan to go. And then he says, he'll prepare you for every good work. He said, not walking and crafting. Is that a, not deceitful, not willing to do anything to achieve his goals. So I wrote this statement. This passage speaks of both the character of the ministry, it's glorious, and the character of the minister, he's godly. Boy, that is a great marriage there. God has given New Springs a glorious ministry and a godly minister. 
And you put those two together and there is no tellings what all God may do. Number two, there's a commitment to the word of God. It says he's not handling, adulterating the word of God deceitfully. In other words, he's not falsifying the word of God. He wants the word of God to be applied to his personal life and then to be more effective when he applies it in his preaching life. So he's not guilty of giving wrong emphasis or withholding significant parts of truth. It means he, he doesn't dilute God's word. He, he doesn't try to make it palatable so people can feel better in their sin. We're, we're doing no one a favor there. You know, in the last few years, we've had some big issues to tackle as ministers. Uh, I did this series, and Mark did the same thing, but we put up this website, and we said, what, what do you wish Pastor Johnny would address? And boy, I mean, they, they pick the hottest items. When you preach those, you have to be careful about your demeanor, your facial expressions. You have to just pray, God, help me, because I'm so passionate. I can come across like I'm angry, and I'm not angry. I'm just fired up. I mean, really, I really am. I'm just uh, passionate about what God has given me to say. So Stephen Olfer taught me this truth. Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you know that some of the issues we may choose to address are out of season? And so people aren't really drawn into them. There's not any, like, hostility but how about when you preach on those issues that are in season, hot topics in the media? And, and how about they call us bigots or narrow-minded preacher because we take a stand to tell you not what we think, but what he said. Therefore, we refuse to falsify truth. And so... Mark, I call Mark and say, Mark, I'm dealing with this issue. Have you dealt with it yet? Send me that sermon. <laughs> Somebody said one time when they heard we were being helped so much by other, each other's sermons, said that's plagiarism. I said, that's not plagiarism. It's survival. <laughs> so he's faithful to the word. Someone just skip that, skip that. Let me just wrap it up with this part. I was thinking one day, and I journal a good bit, so I just had my journal out this morning, and I, just, I have a thought, I wrote it down. So I really got to thinking that um, a lot of the strongest words in the human vocabulary end with I-T-Y, itty. And so then I went a step further and I wrote, there's a lot of itty-bitty words that carry great weight. Can I give you a couple? And we'll close with this. Humility. And, and I was writing these, and I wrote these thinking about my friend Mark. Uh, humility is a low view of one's own, own importance. It's the virtue of Jesus, uh, a man that influenced uh, every preacher in America's life. It's a guy by the name of Warren Wearsby. W.W.W. Warren W. Wearsby. And Warren Wearsby died this past year. Now, I don't know, but for some reason it gives me a great deal of pleasure to quote people that I knew that have helped me that are recently passed. 
Before he died, he did a study on this question. Did Jesus, from his own lips, mention anything about his own character traits? And Warren Risby said this, he did not say that he's the love of God. John said that, God is love. He did not say he was holy. Peter said that. But he did say in Matthew eleven twenty nine, I am meek and lowly, learn of me. The only trait, character trait that Jesus mentioned from his own lips in his earthly ministry about himself was humility. And listen to this. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, the death of the cross. If it were not for the humility of Jesus we would not have a way to be forgiven. What better way to honor the one who died for us than to pray each day, God, clothe me in humility, knowing that's voluntary subjection, that I could get low enough. The Bible says, humble yourself, listen to this, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due season. God has convicted me before that he can't use me as much as he'd like to because I won't get low enough. I've got to get under the mighty hand of God for him to use me. Number two is integrity. And this is a good place to stop. When the tongue in your shoe and the tongue in your mouth are going in the same direction. That's integrity. Integrity's attributes is being gracious, valuing others, being honest, trustworthy, hardworking, responsible, helpful, and patient. And that's what it spoke into my life. I, I, got a, I said I was going to quit, but remember I like to quit. So, Inability. Inability? Yeah, we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus. Why? Because Spurgeon said it well. We can no more change a life than we can create a star. We have no ability to change anyone. I don't care if I can be engaging. If people listen to me, only Jesus Christ can change a life forever. And we're looking to him to do it. So in closing, watching online in this room, do you know him? Has there been a time in your life where you said something like this? Lord Jesus, I need you. I cannot save myself. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I'm sorry for my sins. Cleanse me. Save me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. And thank you for saving me. Now help me to spend the rest of my life serving you. And help me to never be ashamed of knowing you. Could you make that your prayer? And personally, by faith, trust Christ to be your Lord and Savior. If that's your prayer, and you've prayed something like that in your life, we have a gift for you. 
whether you're watching online or in the room. And when they showed me this gift, they said, hey, uh, just tell anyone that prayed to receive Christ, God did a work in your heart and you recommitted yourself to the Lord. Just text the word prayed, P-R-A-Y-E-D, to 97,000 and they'll send this to you. Or when you leave this room, stop by their center, their connect center there, and they will give this to you. But I, I, I opened it and I said, wow, there was a really nice Bible. So in fact, I think I'm going to take this one home with me. And, uh, and then there's a journal in here and there's a devotion in here and some other items. And I thought, what a great gift. And literally over 100,000 have been given away, but there's one there for you. Hey, let me say thank you on behalf of Janet and myself for allowing us to spend this weekend with you. Really appreciate the opportunity. What, what an honor, Mark and Mary Alice, to be asked to preach for you. I was sitting there in this service in particular, uh, thanking God. You even invited me to ordain both of your sons. I preached the ordination service of both of your sons. So you've so honored us in our friendship, and I deeply love you. Look forward to seeing each of you, Lord willing, tonight at 6.30. And would you do this with me? This would be a good way for us to leave. Would you join me one more time in saying thank you to Mark and Mary Alice Hoover for 35 years. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in Wichita, the surrounding area, we'd love for you to engage with us in one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our incredible kids and student environments, visit us at newspring.org. One more time, newspring.org.